podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hi, how's it going? Yep, yep, you guessed it. You're listening to SSR and it's a feature show and it's WrestleMania 22, baby. Big time. I'm on my way to making it. Before we get into it, go back to show one on Eddie Guerrero. Work all the way back up. We've now got Central with Ross McLeod, but if you can see past the host, it's a good show. You've got Quiz Showdown, you have Saturday Draft Live, you have all this great content in the network, so make sure you go and check it out, and go and check out Peter Gabriel's back catalogue also. Um, but I need to say, we're going to introduce my panel today, WrestleMania 22 is the discussion topic, and this is a man, he hasn't been 22 in some time, but he still looks like it. Alright, this isn't an episode of Sex in the City. That's her bike. All right, it's Gary Kearney. How are you, Gary? <laughs> oh, David, you, you say all the nice things. Yeah, I know, I know. This is actually that's the one time I mentioned it. It's my last feature show here, First up, he's a man I described before the show as huffy, uh, complacent, and moany. Uh, he's up past his bedtime. It is Jack Graham. How are you? <laughs> very well. Very well. I'd be tucked up in bed. I'd already be asleep for two hours by this point. But it's, it's WrestleMania 22. You said it yourself, Peter Gabriel's big time. One of my favourite matches of all time on this show. So I couldn't could not stay up to speak about it. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. We do need to clear the elephant in the room. Like the fans have been asking, the listeners' league has been asking, when do you actually go to bed? It would be about now. I'd be, I'd like, so right, let's let's talk about it, right? So the football's on right now. Arsenal Liverpool, right? The first half just yeah. ended. I'd go up to bed and I'd watch Sky go in the second half. So I finished about ten, and I was like about half ten, eleven o'clock. So it's not it's not as early as some may think, you know. I just I just like being in bed. Fair, fair. Don't we all? Don't we all? Um, anyway, speaking of this, I don't know why I brought this intro. <laughs> a man whose schedule is more busy than Edge and Lita and Heat. It's Chris Murray. How are you, Chris? <laughs> I, I just want to almost tell you the exact opposite of what Jack just told you. Uh, I went to bed last night at quarter to midnight. I got up at quarter past four. I'm here with you now at ten past nine. And I'm going to try and go to bed as soon as we're finished to then get up at quarter past four. So, yeah, Jack, you're going to live much longer than me. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have much less fun. He's on Saturday Draft Live. And next up, he's a man (laughs) who I'm still indebted to. The last time I was on these airwaves, if any, filled in the last minute in the What If show. And you know what? He proved to me that day that at the last minute he can talk out his arse. Can he do it with preparation again today? It's Billy Strachan. Oh, I'll, I'll certainly try. But no, I've, been, I've done over 100 podcasts now. I'm doing good at, at speaking absolute nonsense to fill the airwaves. So <laughs> I'll, I'm sure I'll do it again if you ask me some wonderful questions about... Oh, God, there's some absolute... If the boogeyman... If you ask me about the boogeyman, then I'm going to have to play the big guns. Well, listen, before we get into the main show, uh, Billy, and we will get to Boogeyman eventually, there is a match that I do have to bring up from the pre-show, and I can hear one of our panellists getting all giddy 
already because they used to do a battle royal at WrestleMania in the pre-show, right? They unveiled the giant before it was, they pretended it had any meaning. And in this particular year's inter-promotional battle royal, Gary Kernighan, can you tell me who was the winner of this particular match? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> the man, the legend, Vesela. Vesela, Vesela was the winner of this battle royal last eliminating uh, Mr. It's Not My Fault, Gene Snitsky. Um, it truly was a main event in any building uh, that you go to. Uh, so if you want to check out all six minutes of glory that was Vissera's Battle Royal when at WrestleMania 22, I think the one thing, Jack, I'll actually come to you on this. The one major complaint I have about this show is that you didn't give any love to the young guns of Eminem who had really taken the tag team division <laughs> by storm. They were stuck into that battle royal. Do you think they should have tried to find a wee, a wee place for Eminem in the main card? Oh, absolutely. I believe there's probably someone someone else in the show that could have booked them at a, a, really, a really good place in, in WrestleMania's gone by. <laughs> I love it, I love it. But we are going to get into the opening match of this show. Now, sometimes you want to put your workhorses out first for an instant classic. Not here, it's the tag team title match of Big Show and Kane versus Carlito and Chris Masters. Now, Mr. Chris Murray, a name very similar to Chris Masters. What did you think when you, you sat down to open this show, you've got through Michelle Williams singing America the Beautiful, and this was the, the opening contest of this pay-per-view? Yes, similar in name, similar in body, of course. Uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I, I was very excited because normally, for you guys at ESSR, what I'll do is I'll go away and watch four weeks of television ahead of any pay-per-view review, but uh, on account of the previous mentioned schedule, I just thought, actually, let's just sit down and watch WrestleMania 22 and just and just take it in as it happens. And uh, this was a great decision, because as soon as it started, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot, this is one of my favorite WrestleManias ever. I said at the time, I was like, that's the best Mania since 17, and it's pretty much the best Mania until like, one of the 30s, in my opinion. But Carlito and Chris Masters come out, and I was like, oh, brilliant gimmicks of the era. And then the Big Show Kane remix came on, and I was like, oh my god, that's this era. Um, I was... I, I, right, I didn't love this match, because how could you? It was like an ugly child. But here's what I did like. <laughs> I liked the whole big guy throws folk around gimmick. Now, it's not getting done loads in current wrestling you've maybe got Omos but it's it's like um, he's always fighting like jobbers and it's not quite the same as like watching Big Show pick up Carlito by the hair onto the apron and then pick him up into the ring I was just like the big guy gimmick that has a lot of legs for me and uh, yeah it was good to see spoilers it was good to see Kane and Big Show getting the win Big Show was on a pretty bad run before this he had lost to Mankind, lost to Triple H, lost to Kane, lost to Undertaker alongside A-Train, lost to Cena, and lost to Akibono. Finally, he gets the W. Yeah, he gets the W alongside the Big Red Machine, something that I think Scott McLeod would appreciate. But, Billy, I need to come to you because you look at that tag team of Big Show and Kane, they, they did it again years later in The Authority, and there, there couldn't be anything less over if they tried. But at this time, they were actually a very effective over unit. As Chris is saying, people like the big guys throwing folk about. Were you, were you a fan of this pair? I, I really enjoyed this match. Um, it, it, it it gave me false expectations for some of the rubber stuff later, but um, Kane going all cruiserweight 
uh, in the early going with his, his drop downs and his, his drop kicks. I was all in for, loved it. Um, this was just a big, silly family friendly this is a show you go when you go to a, a local show where where uh just uh, your family friendly show this is what you got it was silly miscommunication stuff um silly bollocks pretty much it, it was just fun um and like you're saying 2005 just coming out of that of course your big survivor series run with kane and uh, kane and big show uh, demolishing uh smackdown regularly uh, going over and just uh, chokeslam a Batista on a car and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, kind of big show. You could you could hardly go wrong uh, when they were teaming up. It was always a lot of fun because, like like I said, I just loved Kane being the small guy and doing the small guy offense. It was just ace. Yeah, fantastic. And this was this was my favorite version of Kane. Like when I started watching wrestling, there were two favorite wrestlers. Well, three: Shawn Michaels, who we'll get to; Trish Stratus, who we will definitely get to; and Kane. Uh, I was a big fan. But but Gary, let's talk about the other side of the tandem. Maybe there's a school of thought here that. In hindsight, being 2020, Carlito and Chris Masters break up after this. They have a match at Backlash, and it doesn't really work out main event-wise for either of them after that. And it was clear that they were the two up-and-coming talents in the WWE at this time. Do you think that they should have probably went over Big Show and Kane this night, considering that the monsters of the Midway, as JR christened them, dropped the tag team titles to the Spirit Squad? Uh, not the, the night after this, I believe. Oh, what a sentence that is. Um, the, this felt like a, a thrown together match, didn't it? Um, felt like didn't really have anything else to do with Kalito and Masters, because before that they had been, you know, they were in like, the New Year Revolution Elimination Chamber and um, showing some promise and I don't think either one of them was going to work as a, a face, uh, as it turned out to be the case then as well. But this match felt like it shouldn't have worked. It felt like it shouldn't have been the first match on the show. But um, the crowd seemed really into it. I really enjoyed it. There's some really good spots in the match. Um, you know, Carlito getting crotched on the top rope. Uh, Kane jumping over the top. Um, I think Billy referred to his cruiserweight exploits just there. A wee bit of um, you know the turnbuckle being exposed was a wee bit um, hidden away. Nobody really caught that. But Masters also catching Kane in the master lock when he came off the top rope. I thought that was fab. Um, this this felt like it should have been a disaster, but it was really enjoyable. Mm. Uh, but it made no sense uh, dropping you know. Kane and Big Show getting the win this night and then dropping it the next night to the Spirit Squad. This makes absolutely no sense as far as I'm concerned. Well, indirectly, that Spirit Squad win led to Dolph Ziggler being NXT champion in 2022. I don't know how, but somehow it did. Uh, but Jack and Gary's touched on it there. The big elephant in the room at this time. There was one finisher in WWE that was unbreakable. It was the Master Lock. Protected again on this night. Kane never overtly gets out of it. Big Show helps him out of it. The Master Lock challenge, the Master Lock was a really big selling point with Chris Masters, but maybe the problem is there was never a real end goal with it. It didn't lead to anything main event worthy for Chris Masters, but a very good finisher nonetheless. I think it was just it was something that like when I when I watched this, I I, I, I looked forward to tuning in. So obviously, when you watch when you watch Raw when you're young, it would be on the Friday, like kind of 
dinner time at five o'clock, so that's when I'd come in for school and I'd watch Raw that week. Mm. And I'd always look forward to seeing who would be up next to break the master, like do the master lock challenge, and who could break it and see who would eventually do it. So I think there was, I think that was probably Chris Masters' only ever decent use in WWE was that it was like a, a, a spot maybe folk could look forward to in Raw for like ten minutes, and that and that was it. I think there was not much, much direction aside from that. It's a bit shame because obviously now you know older, wiser, better looking version of Jack's thinking. There's more, there's more, you more, more you could do with that, but. As a, as a young guy, I think watching it, it's it's it, I think it filled its purpose pretty well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we do need to get on to the next match. A tradition, Jack, at WrestleMania was the Money in the Bank ladder match before he got his paper. Just a simple question to kick us off with this: Where do you do you prefer? Money in the Bank at its own pay-per-view or did you prefer it as a staple match at WrestleMania? That's the question. Um, I am not a big fan of gimmick pay-per-views such as Hell, Hell in a Cell for example but I feel that Money in the Bank warrants one in itself because the way it actually holds in the terms of the, the rest of the wrestling calendar I would argue that it's a big four pay-per-view instead of Survivor Series. I'm sure that's that's been discussed in a show somewhere, somewhere before. I can't quite mind. But the other side of the argument is this, this was a, this was a thing at WrestleMania back in the day. But Chris Jericho said on a, a Broken Skull session once, "You want to open WrestleMania, you want to close WrestleMania. This is a show that sh- this is a, a match that should open WrestleMania, and it and it hasn't. So I always feel kind of what comes next after the first. I'm just a bit, eh, unfortunately, it was this match, even though it was very good, it should have opened." Yeah, and Gary, it's a very peculiar bunch in this match. It's Rob Van Dam, Bobby Lashley, Finlay, Matt Hardy, Ric Flair, and Shelton Benjamin. There are definitely people who feel like they belong in this type of environment, but there are wrestlers who, let's just say, the ladder match isn't their forte. Yes, you wouldn't have really thought you'd seen Ric Flair and Finlay in a Money in the Bank match. I mean, like Jack, I miss Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. I I wrote down when I was watching this match, you know, I miss. I wrote down my notes, miss this. It was on for 12 minutes. It was mental. It was great, full of great spots as well. Shelton's running sent on off the ladder. Flair's superplex off mm. the ladder at the age of 57 as well. And there was a great moment, Campbell, when, when Flair returned and scaled the ladder and it looked like he was going to win and the place went crazy yeah. <laughs> no bloody Finlay ruined it all but yes two of them uh, uh, look really out of place here and who would have thought with the other four that they'd still be active all the well sorry three of the other four uh, really active all this time later yeah yeah, it's mental. Like it is, it's mental when you think about it. Um, like Shelton Benjamin still going, Matt Hardy, AEW, Bobby Lashley, high-profile spot, WWE champion until he got injured. Do you know what I mean? This was back in two thousand and six, so you know, still going strong. Bobby Lashley aging like a fine wine. But Chris, there was something in this match that um, I was very excited about because we have two great commentary teams coming together in this one. It's JR and King on the Raw side, Michael Cole and Taz on the SmackDown side. A lot of people, these are their favourite commentary teams. They fondly remember this era. It was good to hear all four of them calling the action here. 
yeah, that doesn't always work in WWE. Especially, there's been a lot of bad three-man teams that they have had. Mm. Um, whereas these four actually worked really, really well together. I think that there was a lot. There's a lot of kind of peak moments on this show for the era, and and one of the things that was peak of this era was these two commentator teams. Obviously, you know, um, Joey Styles would get involved when they did a, some mixing up of the shows. I think these four on these two shows, as they were, was just the perfect combo. To, to like jump ahead a little bit while we're talking about the commentators, just a bit that I loved is, is like, you can tell they're all just mates. And it's after the Michaels-Vince match, which I won't spoil, but at the end, they cut back to Taz and Cole, and Taz is just like, oh man, the, the JR, that call was amazing. Who, who were you supporting in that match, by the way? And it's just, <laughs> it's just brilliant, brilliant bands. Brilliant bands. That was so good. It was absolutely good. And there was, a, so stay with you for this, because there was another thing I loved in this match, and Gary alluded to it, it was the Ric Flair spot. You saw it, the real time, how effective this was. The, what they called the Wiley Coyote Cap above the ladder <laughs> looking down. I love that shot. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I did actually notice later in the match that when RVD wins, the camera goes spinning in a circle, which they obviously didn't account for, and that's why you don't see a final shot. Um, but see, talking about production levels, and, and David, I, I know you'll be a fan of this because you're yeah. a man in, in the TV biz. When Flair is taken out and then he comes back, there was this tiny little shot that was about three seconds where Flair locks eyes with Finlay. And mm. Finlay isn't like mad, but he's almost like disappointed that Flair's coming back. He looks him in the eye yeah. and then shakes his head as if to say, me and you both know that you shouldn't be in this. And he's almost like saying, I shouldn't be in this either. This match is brutal. We've both fought wars over decades. Don't come back to this. And he goes out to the ring and meets him. It was just the look in Finley's eyes and his face movements. I just thought it was really, really good television. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with that. Like I can tell you, this show bottom to top. It's like, like you said, this is my one of my favourite WrestleManias on account. It's the first WrestleMania I ever watched. You know what I mean? So I, I remember that moment so vividly. And Finley was so underrated for that. Those those great wee character moments from the man. He was just such a master in the ring. But the Billy, we need to talk about the result. Bob Van Dam becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. Do you remember when you watched this show for the first time, were you buzzing that you had seen RVD getting this opportunity? Considering The Edge, a similar fan favourite, similar sort of upper mid-carder, had used it to get the world title shot. RVD, this time coming out and talk, were you excited? Um, oh yeah, I was, I was buzzing for old Bobby VD to to win this. Um, he was because after one night stand, of course, the year before, and of course RVD was injured, so he couldn't wrestle on it. There was always this simmering build to to RVD getting this opportunity, and of course, we know how it led to one night stand the, the following year. Um, so it was, I think RVD was by far the most popular uh, in the ring, even though Shelton Benjamin was doing his damnedest to to gather as many cheers as he could by doing these insane spots and yeah. and uh, doing all this stuff uh, but yeah it was obviously it was going to be um, Van Dam at the end of it and big frog splash to Finlay um, just the sidebar I missed so much this music growing up because um, I was 16 minutes well 15 minutes happened so this is like in my like wheelhouse of music like the opening had uh, Shine Down I Dare You for the big opening package one of my favourite video packages and, of all time Billy I'm with you on that and this had, uh, of course, Matt Hardy's V1 Monster Magnet theme. And, oh, 
I, I had to create a playlist of Spotify as soon as I watched this match and again I, knew, I forgot about all these cool tunes when I was growing up but back to the point yeah RVD <laughs> popular winner very obvious that he was going to win in my opinion at the time but I wasn't I wasn't mad about it I, I wanted to see RVD win the WWE title so I was I was all for it I wonder if AEW could get the rights to that particular Matt Hardy theme. I mean, they've got the Hardy Boys one already, folks. Maybe they could branch out to another. I do have to come back. I love that opening video package. The bit where it's like, was it Triple H, Michaels, Taker, and maybe McMahon? And it shows them at like early in their career and then they like where they are at this point in their career. It's really cool. Like, just really, really cool opening video package. But we do need to get to the technical wrestling match on this show. And Billy, <laughs> Billy, I'll come back to you on this. We are talking, of course, about John Bradshaw Layfield uh, fighting for the United States Championship against someone. Uh, no, it's versus Chris Benoit. Uh, obviously, with Benoit, there has to be an asterisk on everything we do when we analyse the performer because of the way uh, that his life ended, but focusing on sort of JBL at this point, say what you will about the man personally, that man knew how to get heat and pronouncing himself as the greatest technical wrestler in the world was just a really good way to rile up the smart fans of Chicago. Oh yeah, uh, JBL was just, he was, I mean, my notes for this match was battered each other. And that was about it. But, uh, so yeah, the, the, JBL knows what he's doing. When when I don't know, the, I mean, he was he was faced for a brief run through the APA kind of stuff. But I think that was more because people like Farouk uh, more than they like Bradshaw. But um, yeah, he's just got such an easily punchable face, and he's just ace. Uh, but the match itself, ah, they just they did a lot of Eddie Guerrero stuff, which I found really kind of uncomfortable to watch and it was fairly uncomfortable when I started watching it because you know there's always like say that asterisk next to Chris Benoit's name and it's just it was it was there yeah I think it was there actually as a, a very fair way to sum it up Gary because we have two men here former world champions at this point both in their own right but there was no real clear direction for either of them at this point. It's like they gave Chris Benoit the US title, something to do. JBL had had the year off from the, the record-setting WWE title victory. It did just feel like this was like, okay, two veterans, they're going to go out, they're going to have a solid enough match. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dave Meltzer, Uncle Dave, gave it two and three-quarter stars, which I think was maybe a bit generous. It was... Um, quite a hard-hitting match at times. There were some nice spots within it, the, the clothesline counter into the crossface. JBL's entrance was pretty cool. Um, it was different, really quite different to what had come before it with the, with Money in the Bank. And I think you can tell I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> to, just to work out what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. JBL's, JBL's entrance was pretty cool. It, it does have to be said. And I think... That, I don't I don't know like you're right Gary it's, it's a pretty nothing match but but Chris when let's let's ask the, the, the question we've alluded to this sort of elephant in the room with Chris Benoit how do you deal when we have to do a show and we have to talk about Chris Benoit the performer are you able to separate Chris Benoit the performer from 
the man who committed the heinous, heinous crimes that he did or did you, did you find this match like Billy was saying really uncomfortable to watch well there's there's almost two sides to that isn't there the mm. first side is that the fans in attendance don't know that he's going to become a double murderer so mm. it's difficult to take like you're you're watching a man who's the face in the match and is getting cheered by 17,000 people yeah. But I mean, I I don't need to separate them. I've always said this anytime this comes up on here or anywhere else. Like, mm. why separate them? Why the, the, the people that argue that Benoit should be in the Hall of Fame yeah. are are idiots. Um, and that, that I, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with any conversation about Benoit. However, yeah, I do want to pose a question to you four. Mm. <clears throat> now, as you know, I I have a bad bad habit of um picking up things on commentary and then spending a little bit too much time on it. So, JR says in this match, Chris Benoit is one of only five wrestlers to have won a match at WrestleMania by submission. I spent a really long time trying to find the answers and I have three and no more. One of them being um, him defeating Shawn Michaels and Triple H for WrestleMania 20. I've got Bret Bret Hart beating Steve Austin uh, when Ken Shamrock stopped the match. I've got Bret Hart tapping out Bob Backlund, but that's still the same person. So, actually, I've only got two. Does does anyone ever remember? Like, the only other matches I can think of came after, like John Cena and Triple H, John Cena, Shawn Michaels, Edge Undertaker. I couldn't find any more that happened before this. Yeah. Did Tito Santana do it, maybe? Uh, I, I, I can't tell that's Mars. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just trying to remember, like, I admit, vaguely remember watch, like, reading an early WrestleMania match card and seeing Tito Santana wins by submission. Um, I'm going but... in. Did uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Angle not tap out Shawn Michaels the previous WrestleMania? He did. Oh, did he? he? Did. Yeah, that's a good one, Gary. That's right. A, we're already up to three. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I just wanted good. to pose that question to you all. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. Uh, I was like, JR would never lie, so now I need to know what the answer was. <laughs> it's a good insight to the way that, that Chris Murray's brain works. But, but Jack, this show featured many icons of the women's division um, at the time, and no more so than singing sensation Gillian Hall making her WrestleMania debut. Um, what, what do you think the lasting legacy is of the career of Gillian Hall. Please give us your insightful thoughts into this remarkable woman. Um, I, 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 I don't know if I can actually add any more to what's already been said, to be honest. I think she was there. She, she, was, she was in her cow, cow girl outfit. You know, it was, it was, it was good. She had, a, she had a growth bitten off her face by Boogeyman not long before this, I remember. And of course, that's yeah. probably like the most exciting thing about Gillian Hall. She appeared in the Royal Rumble recently. Um and I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing her back, but yeah, not very exciting. This, I think, my friends, might not be the worst match on the show, but it certainly is the most boring. But fair play to each of you gentlemen. I still think we made this segment of the show rather entertaining. So well done. Pat in the back. Well done indeed. We are going to move on to more exciting things. I think I need to go to him. I need to go to him. Because we share the same favourite match of all time. So I am going to let Mr Jack Graham kick us off with talking about 
this instant classic. Take it away, Jack. Oh, that's, it's, see, as soon as this this match over, and you get the the kind of it's it's probably probably one of the longest video packages I've seen for like a WrestleMania match. But like, it's something I just don't get bored watching. Uh, it's just the you get you get hyped up. You know, you know, you're getting into this hardcore match with with Edge and Mick. Oh, <laughs> I love it! <laughs> I love it so much. There's so much that could just it, like it just started from. I wouldn't even say a low point. It was already kind of heated to begin with, but it kind of escalated so, so, so much to being one of the most investable programs going into this WrestleMania. And, oh, 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 it was great. And Gary, you're, you're a man, I know these review shows, you like to talk about the spots in a match, the big moments, and, and there's so many great ones in this battle between Edge and Mick Foley. This hardcore match, can you can you remind us, take us down memory lane of some of the things that we saw in this spectacle? Oh, I, I loved, loved watch this match back. I thought Edge and Lita looked great. Mick Foley did not look great. <laughs> uh, there were some great calls in this match. Uh, Joey Styles was on the call and he mentioned about losing his virgin- WrestleMania virginity and there was a call later on about losing virginity not something uh, to say about Lita <laughs> uh, there was the the s- s- spear uh, with Mick who was obviously covered in barbed wire uh, so that was quite a fun spot but one of the most subtle spots but looked at and sounded absolutely devastating was the backdrop of mm. uh, oh, sorry, Mick Foley being thrown sort of backwards and his head hitting off the, the, la- the ramp yeah. Edge landing in the thumbtacks, Mr. Sockle with the barbed wire on mm. both of Edge and Lita, and then a cracking camera shot of Lita outside the ring with her bloodied mouth as a consequence of it. But the spot that everyone will remember of this match was Edge spearing Mick Foley through the flaming table, which then led to the, the pin the pinfall and the victory. I mean I wrote in my notes here just what a match and what a coming out moment for Edge that it turned out could be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, Chris, when you look at appearing at WrestleMania, ideally, you want both people to come out of that match better than they went into. And for these two, they had very different reasons for having to to perform here. Edge had that WWE title run, but still wasn't the guy, was still on the periphery. He needed that undeniable performance once again. The story of this match, which had played into in kayfabe for Mick Foley, he'd never had that defining WrestleMania moment. This is one of those matches made in heaven where both guys come out of it looking better. Do you agree, sir? 100%. I think that... Foley did a lot of good character work. As Gary said, he he looked like garbage in this match, which was unfortunate. It was all on, on one hand, it was also what he was going for. And um and Edge's side, you're absolutely spot on. He didn't feel like a credible champion when he first became champion, but once you once you do that, like you know, four or five times like he did earlier on, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, now he's a credible champion because he can keep doing it, he can keep winning these opportune matches. And uh, this, I felt like this match was so important in Edge's career. This is one of the exact points in Edge's career graph when you can just see a spike, when when his his, like 
you know, his his money just goes up, his value as a performer just goes up. Um, there, there were a couple of little tiny things which took away from it for me, like um, I didn't like Edge's like shaking cell. Did you see this near the end of the match? At the end, uh, I've always yeah, loved that. I like that. I could, I like yeah, that. why why do you not like it, Chris? Because because why why why? Surely, if you're having body convulsions, it wouldn't be limited just to the parts that you you know can easiest move. Why is he not convulsing from his his <laughs> chest or or his legs? Why is he completely happy to walk? Um, and and um, as well as that, like. I thought the bit with the barbed wire jacket thing, I don't think it looked great. I think Foley looked like crap. And then when they took the top shirt off to reveal the second shirt, <laughs> it was like Sting with the masks and TNA. Um, when they did that, it, I was like, oh, so was that it? But don't get me wrong. This, this spot with the table and the lighter fluid and the flames, that will genuinely go down as one of the most iconic moments in WrestleMania history. And, and to go back to my... <laughs> Chris Murray's gimmick of facial features. Uh, if you watch Lita's face at the end of the match, it's it's not even like it's it's not worry. It it's not like fear. She has this look of pure horror when she sees like both people. She's got Foley's blood on her lip, I think it is, and she's just looking at the destruction in front of her. Ah, uh, uh, it's just like perfect. Um, I didn't. I didn't like though how when Foley got up from the table shot, he he pulls himself up on the barrier right in front of two young kids, and I was like, "You absolute like you're a wrestler, aren't you? You're just trying to sell yourself." But yeah, I was like, "Point to anyone else. Point to an old man. Don't point to two kids. You'll scare them for life." <laughs> <laughs> Scarred for life, the young children in front row. But Billy, we've talked about how Joey Styles took to the commentary desk uh, for this match. A, a two-pronged question here. Obviously, do you think it was the right decision having the voice of ECW, Joey Cyrus, coming in for this hardcore match? And do you think that he was a bit hard done by not getting to call the full event, considering he was, at that point in time, the lead announcer on Monday Night Raw? Um, well, first off, I'm in good company because this is my favourite match of all time. Yeah. So, that's, so yes. I'm, I'm glad that I've got similar people that are that are thinking that. Um, Joey Styles, I I was an ECW guy. I wasn't. I didn't watch ECW, so my first kind of proper Joey Styles, and this was Raw, was actually One Night Stand, um, which I've already mentioned in this show. Uh, so I I prefer Joey in small doses because he sometimes got a bit too excitable and sometimes that's fine but if I had to hear oh my god more than one time in, in a show I would have wanted to ram something into my ears because it is so obnoxiously loud and irritating that once <laughs> is enough so I think I think he was he was he was fine on the three-man booth um I'm, but I'm quite glad he was kind of restricted just to one match on this show and it being his uh, forte his his kind of specialty uh on it um that 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 did me fine but no i, I joey styles he wasn't for me I, I wasn't of the generation that grew up with him and loved his style i he, style <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no when when he when he came when he came around my time he was just no small doses was nice so one to match be, was, was plenty to be fair he did use it in that that promo 
that he cut on Raw when he quit the Raw commentary booth uh, to defect ECW um, a month or so later, probably uh, when he was like, I wasn't good. Was told I wasn't good enough to call WrestleMania because I wasn't a storyteller like Jim Ross, who they'd fired. But shooting for the hip, Joey, uh, I really did appreciate it. But uh, Jack, I'll give you the, just give you the chance. Anything else you want about the legacy of this match here? Uh, I, I, I think. I think for me, I think maybe for a lot of people who kind of grew up at least around with our friends from watching this, this is the match that kind of defined, or maybe not not so much defined, but this was the kind of the match, the 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 post-it note, the the, the stamp, the bit you can pinpoint when you kind of start to fall in love with wrestling. And this is this was it for me. This 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 kind of set up a lot of things. This set up being Edge with my favorite wrestler of all time. It set up being my favorite match of all time. It's it's led to so many things it's led to the the benchmark of, of wrestling for me essentially i think it's, it's like that for a lot of different people and i think the the legacy of what they took been able to leave with this is not in, in 15 minutes is mm. nothing short of outstanding yeah I, I love it and we do need to i will come back to it because there's talk going on in the chat chris's question earlier we have figured out that bret hart was correct gary was right on kurt angle tapping out michaels and i was correct gary you have found out on Tito Santana. I didn't just pull it from my arse, apparently. No, you know, the first ever WrestleMania match, the opening contest of WrestleMania 1, no less. Amazing. Amazing. We have achieved a lot on this podcast, right? We, yeah. we, you know, hundreds of episodes, millions of listeners, but finding these these men, I think, just might have been the best thing we've ever done. We've got Brett, we've got Tito, we've got Kurt, we've got Benoit, so we just need to find who the fifth man is. Unless who's the, who's the fifth man? Someone, someone ask uh, the weasel. Someone ask Bobby <laughs> the brain eating. He knows who the fifth man is. He's very, he's very. Unless, good. unless, dare we say it, Jr. might have been wrong, which I'll be very sad about. But um, David, I, have I, have a, I actually have a, <laughs> I actually have a question for you, which mm. I I didn't think of until minutes ago, mm. but I just noticed that of course this mania was on second of April two thousand six. Yeah. Now, of course, ECW as a brand starts in two months. So do you think that this was a precursor just being like, oh, do people still want to watch hardcore matches? Maybe, maybe, because I think I think the overall product was pretty hardcore at this time, if I can say that, Chris. You know what I mean? They're still coming out of the, the Attitude Era, entering into the Ruthless Aggression. It's a lot of crossover. It's not the only quote-unquote extreme rules style match on the show. Um, obviously, we have a couple we'll get to later on, but I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. I do think the inclusion of Joey Styles certainly would point to that being a point that could be considered. But to be honest, did WWE really have that much forward planning? I'm not so, I'm not so convinced. <laughs> um, but anyway, I do need to come to Mr. Billy Strachan for his favourite match on the show. Um, it is the match pitting one of the best wrestlers, another talk about technical wrestlers, the Boogeyman facing the Hall of Fame duo of Booker T and Queen Charmel. Billy, what do you think? Oh, God, this was dire. This was just, I mean, I wasn't expecting a, a bloody catch catch can classic here, but she just awful I mean, how Booker T's Wrestlemania runs like is literally the runs it's it's just 
I don't think he's ever really had a standout proper good moment at WrestleMania unless I'm forgetting one uh, that's out there. But um, hang on, Billy, hang on. He won the Battle Royal the year before. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, Billy, Char- do you know the company he's in with winning the pre-show battle royal <laughs> for one <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I mean I, I take I take it all back this, this was this was just a blip in the road but um, no uh, Charmel obviously adding to our, our classic uh, runs of matches as well uh, of course always the best um, no this was just awful I mean nobody could save the boogeyman uh, this was just bad so bad. I hate the worms. I hate the worms at the time. I hated them now, uh, as a, as a grown up, I suppose. Um, I just, it was just bad. Billy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and play devil's advocate here because I don't, I don't disagree with you, but part of me doesn't fully agree with you. And for this, I need to come to ESSR's facial features expert, Chris Money. Chris, I will say that <laughs> Charmel does do some incredible acting work in this match. I fully believed that Charmel was terrified, absolutely terrified of the Boogeyman in this contest. I actually spent uh, this match like focusing solely on Charmel to look for issues. And I have a few for you. Okay. Thing, thing number one, uh, why are all the freaks around here always drawn to you, she says to Booker T insulting herself in the process. <laughs> That's a great backstage segment, by the way. We're in Chicago, and you need some help. Brilliant stuff for Gold Dust. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Charmel's top says, Queen of Mean. I, uh, I, 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 no, I can't have that. Um, she, she has, I've said this, this is funny, because this obviously came up in our chat, like, a week ago, completely by coincidence that we were doing this show. Um, well, very rude about Queen Charmel. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but I just, <laughs> I, I think there, there's, 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 you know, there's, there's face heat, there's heel heat, and then there's X-Pac heat, which is just like, ah, oh, go on and just fuck off. Um, and, uh, yeah, Charmel just, Get in a car, Mel, and just boost, please. Like I just wow, <laughs> wow. The facial features expert has has sided against me, and oh, this she, one, I'll, I will she, never forget this. Oh, guys, there were some good bits about this match. There was a great moment when you know Booker T's comedy gold at the best of times. But see at the start when he let Sir Mel <laughs> start the match, <laughs> that was amazing. It does make me laugh. But there was also the worst, worst ever snowballing effort you'll see when the boogeyman kisses Charmel uh, with the, the worms yeah. in his mouth. That was pretty gross. Yeah, exactly. And but the boogeyman, that's got, the boogeyman got injured, guys, just before this match. He had a really bad bicep tear, so we were probably denied the five-star classic that we'd have got otherwise had he not been injured. Yeah, you've got to think of things that could have been. Uh, and I'm disappointed with my panel for the What If show that they didn't bring up the the very obvious question of what if Boogeyman hadn't injured his bicep. But Jack, yeah. Jack, episode. Jack, side with me here. Saturday Draft Live, you know, all that all that jazz, you know, like, man, you know, come on. Like, surely you can, you can bring some joy to proceedings. Uh, <laughs> it was a waste of time. David, the, the, 
The most popular dog. bit was about the worms, I guess. I, 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 five minutes when I get back, I can I can do other things in five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> the the only person who came off as a, a lesser star on this card than Charmel was uh, Michelle. Was it Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child just stinking <gasps> up the anthem the and stink, <laughs> the stinking up the front row? Oh man, right. Now I need to I need to bring some water here, people. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen to Mister Go. Okay, my dad does not like wrestling, but I did, so he had to watch it. To this very day, if you were to ask David Campbell Senior who his favourite wrestlers were from having to watch the wrestling when I did when I was younger, he will give you the names of Boogeyman and Booker T. Now. Take that for what you will, but they must have been doing something right in this story to elicit that response all these years later. If nothing else, if nothing else, it means that they were memorable. And I, for one, welcome Charmel's induction into the Hall of Fame <laughs> purely because of her great, fearsome reactions to the Boogeyman in this one. Charmel, respect from the GOAT. Do not listen to what Chris Murray has to say but <laughs> it's time for me to continue my sole takeover of this show because my last ever effort here on ESSR I am treated to one of my favourite wrestlers of all time Trish Stratus in my opinion one of the greatest of all time male or female taking on Mickey James in what is possibly the greatest women's storyline in WrestleMania history. Chris, what are your thoughts on the tale as old as time, the, the, the love story, the jilted lover, Trish and Mickey? What do you think, Chris? I love this storyline. Absolutely loved it. Mickey James was the first wrestler, and I'd be curious to know what everyone else's thoughts were, but she was the first wrestler I remember who actually jumped from TNA to WWE. I remember that back when I first watched, first started watching TNA in about 2004, she was in a tag team with CM Punk, and obviously they both ended up there. Um, the Obsession storyline was amazing. Um, they, they, you know, they got a wee bit weird with it. Like, do you remember the Mark Chapman line where they said Mark Chapman was a huge John Lennon fan? I didn't really like that from uh, the King, because Mark Chapman, I think, was the guy who killed John Lennon. So they're kind of yeah. implying that Mickey James is going to kill Trish Stratus. Fair well, enough. She would have this. You don't know. You're absolutely right. She could have done. You know, could have done it, that. The crowd were so into Mickey James that JR actually acknowledged it on commentary, uh, which yeah. I really like. Um, they could, they probably couldn't get a lot away with a lot of the terminology now. Like I think, like JR repeatedly calls Mickey James a nutcase. Um, Trish is getting booed out the building at one point. Uh, JR calls the fans defiant by doing this. Um, it's probably more likely that the fans didn't feel too strongly one way or the other in this match so just decided to pick Mickey to be smarky um, obviously David the incident has been cut from the WWE yeah. Network um, gross hypocrisy and uh, it was a bit of a clunky finish but I liked that the um, student beats the puppet master whatever the expression is and yeah. I like that she beat her with her own move which never happens in wrestling imagine Austin beat The Rock with The Rock Bottom at WrestleMania 17 would have been the best thing ever. Yeah. But 
it, it, it didn't happen, but it did happen here. And that makes this match better than what we've <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said, but I do, I actually want to pick up your point now. I think that it is the height of hypocrisy and sexism that this company will have low blows on their network till the cows come home. But as soon as the women do it, there's a problem. And Vince McMahon says, no, 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 that, that defies decency. Fuck off. Like, I, I don't see a problem with it. Gary, what what about you? Obviously, what what are your thoughts on what Chris brought up, actually, about the crowd cheering for Mickey James ahead of the babyface Trish Stratus? Was this just a case of they wanted a bit of change, Trish had held the title for too long? Is that probably what happened here? Well, wait, this happened a couple of times in this show. Uh, later on, you've seen it with Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio and Triple H and John Cena. So it's maybe not that surprising that there's this, uh, you know, smart, incredibly knowledgeable crowd that appreciated the work ethic of Mickey James and the effort that she put into this. Um, there was there was parts of this match I really really enjoyed as well. I liked the aggressive start from the match from Trish. Mm-hmm. I didn't often see that from her. I mean, uh, Mickey was great at the part. There were also some other good moves in there. There was a wicked looking running power bomb as well. Chris is right about the the finish and some of the lines. I think it was uh, JR said that Mickey used some unique feminist tactics, feminine tactics sorry, <laughs> to win the match. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And I, th- I think, Billy, come to you on this. When we look at this match and when we look at what happened in the rest of 2006, are we going to look at this and say, this was the end of a high point in the women's division until we got the women's evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it years later? Because you look at WrestleMania 23 and we go, I believe it's a, a lumberjack match, not for the title between Melina and Ashley after this and we truly seem to have entered the divas era is this the is this the pinnacle of the the women's era that of the they built up that momentum that they built up during the attitude era in this match um a, a very good question if if uh, i don't mind saying uh it was, yeah this this i mean i was taking them this match as it was just on this show um i wasn't paying attention to what was going around about afterwards and and beforehand but um this was definitely this was a wrestling match this wasn't your divas match so for what progressed and what came afterwards yeah i I would agree with that this was probably your peak of of wrestling in the women's division um because this was just this wasn't your you know they do pretty things they bounce about a little bit they do all that kind of stuff that they were just grabbing body parts wrapping them around ropes uh, battering each other they're brawling they were just this this was probably outside of course the the Edge Foley match. This is probably up there as one of my favourite matches of the night. Yeah. Uh, rewatching it again because it wasn't your prototypical women's match, and uh, yeah, I suppose it is. It was the peak because, like you're saying afterwards, it was it, we, we kind of got dragged into the divas era of things. And we will talk about that later on this very show. But Jack, before we before we get there, we talk about a little about correct booking and. There's a lot of times where the companies will have a champion for too long and then they have what seems to be the obvious story to take the title off that champion and they don't pull the trigger. I think WWE has to be commended for pulling the trigger 
and going all in with Mickey James on this night. If it went the other way, we'd probably look back at this match a bit differently, but it was that decision that really makes this stand out as a classic. Yeah, I think I think the the something something we've picked out on is that the the, the 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 crowd were so behind Mickey James, and you could tell that like WWE hated that with with JR like at that at the end of the match, essentially saying that the crowd were like nut jobs, they were just off their heads, like like wanting wanting this to happen, and maybe it was just kind of a, a, a showing that this is this is arguably the right way to take it because of how 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 vocal the crowd were about it. If it went the other way. The, the crowd reaction could have been far worse and like that even though it's the the commentators are played a different way it's 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 an interesting one that could be de- debated debated for a while but i think it's the it's obviously it was mickey's kind of first feud and die probably the best one and die for her it was one of trish's best feuds that wasn't with lita they they they, they, they told everything they had led up that six months before it to this point i think it was told perfectly in the match and, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. Well done. Yeah, it was fantastic. Not a single insult of this match in sight. Truly, you guys have made this a great show for the goal. Yeah, gold stars to each of you. But, Jack, next match, Undertaker goes 14-0 and against Mark Henry. I want to put this to the entire panel, actually. I just want to say this off the bat. I fucking hate matches. Can anyone defend them? No. No, no, no. No. I think they are the most boring, pedantic stipulation in wrestling history. I don't fully understand the mechanics of it. Like, how fully does the lid have to be shut? Does your opponent need to be incapacitated if I shut it for a second and they push it open? Has the match ended? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. I don't like it, and I never have, and I think the positioning looks clunky. But, Jack, as a storyline for The Undertaker, Taker and Henry, this has probably got to rank lower down the pecking order than some others. It's just something I just didn't care about in the slightest, the slightest at all. There's, there's, there's nothing that you can put rank with A2 together that's ever going to be appealing in the, in the slightest. It's just this. Uh, it's not for me. It doesn't. It doesn't. Just when you put the two names together, just something. Something about it just doesn't strike you as this is going to be a classic. And we were um, proved right at the end of the day. It was shit. Mm, yeah, and uh, to be fair, Chris, like you're the guy who does like to do like some looking back into it, and you do have a, a good memory for this stuff. Like Mark Henry's promo work leading up to this was not bad at all in terms of trying to sell the match. Like he had the funeral for the streak in the lead up to it. It did seem like a threat. This was almost like we're verging on Hall of Pain Henry here uh, with his personality at this point. But something about these two undertaking and big guys just never seems to click, does it? Yeah, I mean, you go back to the very early parts of his career and that was his whole thing. It was like, put the big guy against Undertaker, Undertaker overcomes him. But this is actually one of the better, like the match, I I never realised until you said it, I hate casket matches as well. Everything you said, I was like, yeah, every single bit of that's right. But the good, the thing that really stands out about this match is how great Mark Henry is. Something that I liked about him around this time, and it would go on in the Hall of Pain, Pain era, is that Mark Henry's very believable. 
like he never ran away from any of his opponents but he's a heel he should be running away and he actually proves this by the the actual undertaker walking down the ramp towards him and climbing in the ring he just stands there yes there's a slight look of trepidation on his face as undertaker comes in but mark henry trusts himself he's like if i just stand here undertaker can't beat me and then undertaker the dafty turns his back on him and mark henry rightfully batters him i really really like that um like that this is why when mark henry eventually gets the world title i don't know how long after this that is was in all like 2012 or something like that 11 um, i want to say chris 11 to be pedantic no i, I, I'm right, but I think it's 11 pedantry you get pedantry points for me and that's a good thing um <laughs> I, I like it, it was he was always very believable like when he he, he had the uh, bit with batista just before this and that's why batista's out injured it was really really good he he looked great and losing i think although the the the, the pinfall thing did hurt him a little bit yeah, absolutely. And Billy, like a lot of points that Chris brings up there about Mark Henry's career and going forward and stuff like that. But Undertaker after this match seemed to have hit after hit after hit after hit. Were there signs in this contest that Taker was potentially entering the best wrestling portion of his career? No, because it was a casket match. <laughs> casket match was right. But, um, so it, it was, yeah, it was, again, it was one of those, nah, it was a match. But um, like, like you just pointed out, my, my one note I have on here, Henry pins Taker like a right wally. And I think that made made Mark Henry look like a big stupid idiot uh, in the whole, the whole scheme of things. Not that it ruined an already bad match, but... Um, the most disappointing thing about this, and because I I was expecting to to hear some good tunes about wigs getting split, was uh, on the WWE Network. We got some generic ass music, and I was like, ah, oh well, that's that's uh, taking the wind out of my sails before the match has even started. And <laughs> afterwards, my ship sunk because the match was pretty poor. It's pretty, pretty poor, but a true barometer of how poor a match is, or how great it is, is how many memorable moments Gary Kernan has noted down to bring up on our review. Gary, were there any oh, good moments for this one? Uh, there were maybe two. There was the the suicide dive over the top rope and mm-hmm. taking clearing the casket. Uh, That's good. That's good. There was that one. There was also one that could have went horrendously wrong. If it's the sort of thing, if somebody suggested it to you, hey, you lie in the middle rope, and then I'm going to jump over you between the top rope and the middle rope, and I'll go in and land in the casket. You'd be like, bullshit. Am I going to sit there and let you do that? But that was. A moment that Dan and Henry found themselves in the casket for the first time. It was, uh, I think this match was a step back for The Undertaker after facing Orton the year before, and I think it was just the wrong time for Mark Henry to be in such a feature spot at Mania. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a bit of a damp squid as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yeah, not the highlight of the show, but we are getting on to to bigger and better things, Gary, because it's the it's the the great match between Shawn Michaels and, and Vince McMahon, and I personally think this is not Shawn Michaels' best WrestleMania match. It's Vince McMahon's best match ever. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Oh, absolutely. Do you know sometimes one of the great things about doing these shows is your memory plays tricks on you, and you you I did not remember this match particularly fondly. 
uh, and I went back and watched it and I really really enjoyed it uh, I mean, man looked fucking ridiculous with that suntan <laughs> when, he, when he came out and the match this match went long was was a long time 18 minutes it went for but then you know, all the other bits going around it which obviously had some impact later on in the show here mm. um, Meltzer Scoots uh, scored at three and a half stars it had loads of Gaga during it we had the the spirit squad appearing JR's called those damn cheerleaders <laughs> um, he also had another great call in this match I thought Chris you would this one about uh, McMahon's going to hell and he can't wait to get there so he can take over <laughs> and we had that's uh, really good you know Shane appearing and Shane joining the kiss my ass club mm. the, the handcuffs the wicked chair shot on McMahon's uh, head not to mention mm. the, the finish um, mm-hmm. It Probably. was much more enjoyable than I remembered it. Yeah, it was just a proper sort of garbage hardcore match, wasn't it? Does GR not say Satan lives when McMahon holds up the, the finger and when he's getting stretched <laughs> away as well at the end? I just I love GR in this one because he finds a storyline reason for him being brought back for Mania for Joey Styles. He says, like, this is why I was brought back. Make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen. I was brought back so I could call the, the downfall of Shawn Michaels in this one or something or other. And I yeah, just thought right. it's so clever. So clever from JR and it's brilliant. Like Chris brought up the, the Taz line. He's, he's venomous. Like there's a compilation video on YouTube that I watched so so many things. It's just JR calling people a son of a bitch. Like and it's absolutely fantastic just to sit and listen to. But but Billy, you need to look at this one, you need to look at the context of the story, I think, because a lot of what made this story interesting was how inherently linked it was to the Montreal Screwjob. And obviously Bret Hart inducted into the Hall of Fame night before this, doesn't want to show up at WrestleMania itself, um, but this storyline was basically Vince McMahon saying, I screwed Bret, I can screw you too. It it made for interesting viewing. Absolutely, and uh, I I loved this match. It was just madness, and all round and just the little things in it as, as a, a more seasoned wrestling watcher I loved in it as well but storyline yeah it was it was it was quite simple it was uh, Vince you're a bit mental now uh, maybe you should calm it down a bit and Vince going no I win it and uh, that, there we go that's pretty much it kind of thing um, <laughs> but no I, I loved it other things like like Shane of course he had handcuffed and, and battered but his involvement in the in the finish I never noticed it at the time but him holding the ladder for Sh- uh, Shawn Michaels to to do the elbow drop was just like oh just a little nice little thing that you notice now uh, that you didn't notice at the time because you weren't you were only watching it for the wrestling you weren't watching it for the in- intricate bits and pieces and the crotch chop as well showing Sean still got that defiant side of him doing the the old DX crotch chop and of course that led into 2006 with yeah. uh, with with everything and I love the Spirit Squad I don't care how corny they were Spirit Squad are ace Jacks. <laughs> Do you rem- do you remember the first time you watched this? Did you know what the crotch chop meant at the time when Sean did it in this match? And I think Triple H does it in the main event maybe as well. Um, like, did you know what that meant when the first no, time you watched this? I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue. There's a young innocent 
young and innocent Jack had no clue what the cross trot was. Yeah, I was I was the exact same. Had no idea what a DX was, uh, so I was very excited when they when they came back. But Jack, do you remember this match fondly? Uh, it was it was all right. As as a, a lot of a lot of fun kind of drawn on here is kind of watching it at a younger age, and I always always quite liked how it's the big boss getting involved. Yeah. Not really knowing the political side behind it as much as I kind of do now, as they kind of alluding to the the, the Montreal screwdriver and whatnot, like. Enjoying it as a as a as a wee boy, and you're seeing the big boss fighting, getting nitty gritty. It's I think it's pretty decent. This was my favourite story when I was young. Like I loved Shawn Michaels versus McMahon, and then later, like because a lot of people shitting the the DX of 2006, I fucking loved it because I was the right age for it. You know what I mean? Like DX versus the McMahons, forget about it. It was great. You know what I mean? Like coming out and they're spoiling every week and obviously I didn't have McMahon in Austin to compare it to. You know what I mean? So that was for me like the my introduction to Vince McMahon and Jack. You're probably similar to that. Yeah, hundred that's I'm exactly the same. Just obviously we're, we're, we're two two good people here, David, you know, and we we, yeah. we start here at the same time with the the rest and going through it, watching the same things and you know, it's just it's just about our intellectuals who, who am I saying? I think that the McMahon DX feud of 2006 has aged like the Star Wars prequels in that they're getting a bit more it's getting a bit more appreciation but but Chris you are you are a man a fan of the character work and stuff there were two great backstage programs well, we got Shawn Michaels saying that he's going to take Vince to his own personal hell and then we had Vince with, with Shane and Stephanie by his side praying to God or talking to God or, or taunting God at this point uh, more than anything else. Did you enjoy the, the lead up to this match uh, in the pre-show? Pre- David, I need to tell you something. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like this match. <gasps> oh my. I passionately loved it. Yay, Simon uh, Kill moment. We love it. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, right, we need to go start to finish. First of all, Sean's promo at the start. Amazing to see Shawn Michaels in the pre-I squint era. Uh, Michaels fantastically <laughs> comments on the fact that today's one year since Kurt Angle is two years since Triple H and Benoit but tonight won't be a five star match it'll be brutal and ugly it's one of the best examples of someone being like I am amazing like this is how great I am as a wrestler um, and Shawn Michaels at this point is about 67 years old and he's still absolutely untouchable Vince's promo as well was fantastic as you said he mentions talking to God because he knows God is close to Shawn Michaels the subtlety of that is brilliant obviously leading into the is it the backlash, backlash match where Shawn teams with God is that yeah. right? yeah and then yeah. the the match oh man I wrote like an A4 page on how much I loved it um, the the um, they acknowledge that it's 10 years since WrestleMania 12 when he won the belt. Um, they uh, talk about JR acknowledges all the stuff that Vince has beaten his career. They include that Vince has beat the US government, talking about the steroid trial. That was that was mad. Um, Dolph Ziggler gets his first Mania moment. Um, he's probably as relevant then as he is today. Take from that sentence what you are. He's NXT champion, Chris. What are you talking about? Exactly, exactly. Um, Vince gets his arse out, and I'm concerned at this point that someone might walk past my living room window and wonder what's happening. Um, it was so satisfying watching Shawn Michaels smash Shane with the Kendall stick. 
the the stick with the with the 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 handcuffs was so perfectly done because what it meant was you got Shane uh, as like a, uh, what's the wrestling term a heater for for Vince but he couldn't get involved so he's reacting to everything he's begging Sean to stop hitting him he's like trying to drag the ladder uh, away from Sean to stop uh, Sean jumping off of it onto his dad which as Billy mentioned he's actually kind of holding the ladder at the same time I really really liked the DX chop was great um, as you as you were speaking about like I was too young for DX as well I only knew about DX through the video games and like the you know uh, you know pure DX sugar free that we got when X-Pac was still using the music um, <laughs> and the best bit of this match was when he does the elbow drop, he gets up, everyone's all good, and Sean grabs Vince under the chin, and he says, watch this, I'm going to knock your teeth down your throat, and then he just does it. It was brilliant, start to finish, really great match, way better than I remember it. I remembered the ladder spot, and that was it. It's my favourite match of the card. I love seeing Shawn Michaels back in the ring. It actually makes me want to go and watch all of his, like, you know, comeback like NWO matches through to when he leaves because they're all just brilliant and then of course Vince because he's the ultimate heel flips off Sean on the way up the ramp to continue the feud it was amazing absolutely amazing Chris let's see if I can do this from memory but Shawn Michaels return run at Mania was nothing short of insanity 19 Jericho 20 Triple H and Benoit 21 Angle 22 McMahon 23 main events against Cena 24 retires Ric Flair and then 25 and 26 against Undertaker. That is something else. And, and to add on to what you've just said, 2004 PWI Match of the Year, 2005 PWI Match of the Year, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. He's he's absolutely phenomenal. Every one of those matches was uh, at WrestleMania apart from the Cena one, which was in London. Um, he's, uh, we we are so lucky that because there's sort of eras of wrestling fans, isn't there? There's the yeah. era that is you know your 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 Hogan's and your Warriors. They got Shawn Michaels a bit as well. New generation got a whole heap of Shawn Michaels, and we as the sort of later era wrestling fans, we got a brilliant period of Shawn Michaels as well. Like ah, we're absolutely blessed the best period of Shawn Michaels in my humble opinion. Uh, before we move on he does, Shawn Michaels says a great line in the My Eyes mode of WWE 2K22 where he says I don't see IAI with many people these days. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it, made me, it made me laugh so much but we do need to see who's coming out the side R-E-Y, Mysterio, 619 all that jazz. Billy you said that it made you uncomfortable earlier the allusions to Eddie Guerrero and the JBL Chris Benoit match. How did you feel about the Rey Mysterio storyline at WrestleMania 22? Oh, he got booed and rightly so. <laughs> I could not be arsed with this whole Eddie exploitation stuff. It was just, it was a bit thick. It was, they laid it on. I, I, I didn't mind it, it. You know, I didn't mind the actual ignorant content. Ignorant content, loved it. I enjoyed that. But I find, I love Rey Mysterio as a wrestler. But God, if you give him a microphone, I just switch off. He's so boring to, for me speaking. And so it feels so insincere as well when he speaks. And I don't know if it's because it's a second language or whatnot. I don't know. I just, I, just, I don't enjoy him speaking. Don't speak. 
wrestle. I'd keep it that way. Billy um, Strachan channeling anyway. Gwen Stefani there. Well, that has to be said. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, it, it didn't start off well when the, that POD entrance was awful as well. It was so <laughs> awkward and rubbish and it kept going on and on and on. And I was thinking, I remember this being quite a short match. They could have cut out quite a lot of that bollocks to start off with so you can have his, his big eagle uh, headdress which looked like he was he was keeping it on by a hope and a prayer because he, his neck was not moving the whole time um, I really went off topic I've just had a wee rant about Rey Mysterio um, I liked Orton's yeah. golden shower entrance if that makes a difference yeah. <laughs> Billy hates Rey Mysterio Gary what say I... you <laughs> no Billy, Billy you've made your point you hate Rey Mysterio that is what you said Gary <laughs>
absolutely destroyed Rey Mysterio's entrance, which did not help him at all. Um, the I do, I, just to get all technical on you, but I think one of the guitars wasn't plugged in, so oh. it just sounded like the tune was coming through on the bass guitar, and. Uh, Rey Mysterio takes forever to get to the top of the stage and then back down the stage. I was just like, yeah. oh, get on with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I made my most notes on the entrances. Uh, Kurt Angle had some great pyro. Uh, Randy, of course, had his shower, as you mentioned. Um, there's a couple of good spots, but the issue is, is triple threat matches are difficult because you can only wrestle one person at once. Um, it, it was good to see the old Randy Orton where he had facial expressions and cared about things. Um, he doesn't he doesn't really do that very much now. Uh, there was a beautiful RKO where Kurt Angle kicks out on like 2.99999. Um, I really liked. Um, I also didn't realize that Rey Mysterio here is 31 and it feels like he's been wrestling for about 20 years at this point because obviously he came from WCW, he yeah. was in WWE for a good while. But yeah, 31. And uh, of course, the absolute highlight of this match, Dominic Mysterio alert in the crowd. Yay! Yeah, future WrestleMania uh, competitor in his own right, Dominic Mysterio. You know, that's, that's mental when you think about that. Uh, the amount of people who have been front row for these events and then all of a sudden they, they show up on the card themselves. It truly is magical stuff. Speaking of magical stuff, the the... We've talked a lot about JBL and Boogeyman and who could lay claim to be the best technical wrestler on this specific card. But Gary, I'll let you talk about this Matt Classic and just tell us some of the great the great spots and the Playboy Pillow fight between Tony Wilson and Candice Michelle. Well, I was hoping you were going to ask this, Mr. Goat. I really hope you're going to ask this. There was a, a crack and snap suplex at one point in the match by okay. uh, by Tory onto Candice as well. Uh, a backdrop onto the bed was then led to the mattress being tripped over, and then everybody's favourite bounce up and down top of a mattress yeah. as well. We had the dog stinky face as well. We had some scissoring Jesus. in the match. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. um, JR, another great call from when he said this is not a brand panties match. However, we have no issues with the ladies making it a brand panties match. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that uh, you get quite a juxtaposition in this match, <laughs> juxtaposition in the match with uh, what we've seen earlier for the yeah. Women's Championship in this match. And it's maybe a measure of how far women's wrestling has come mm-hmm. um, and this playboy with the playboy pillow fight being condemned to history yeah listen I'm not going to make his comment this any further I don't think than that like I think Gary's broke the match down for us really all there is to say is the point I brought up earlier this is where WWE wanted to, to take their women's di- the division ideally you know get the 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 association with Playboy, get some money and get the the hot women who aren't particularly good wrestlers, but you know will sell calendars. You know that was essentially what they wanted. And no offense to, to- Hall of Famer Tori Wilson and Candice Michelle, because Tori Wilson was was always good for what she wanted to do. Always tried her best in the storylines. We've talked about the storyline where Da 
and stuff like obviously not not one of the, the greatest storylines in wrestling history but perhaps a very memorable one in Smackdown and Candice Michelle did improve as time went on it had a nice yep. decently women's title run um, but this was this was the toilet break before the main event and speaking of the main event speaking of smarty crowds speaking of people who win by submission at Wrestlemania Chris Murray John Cena versus Triple H kick us off when talking about the main event, what were your initial thoughts when you saw we're doing WrestleMania 22 main evented by John Cena and Triple H? Were you excited for this match? I've said it all the way through. There was a lot of like peaks of this era on this card, and I think that Triple H fighting John Cena is like the peak of its era. Because I don't know what it is about this mania. It, it kind of feels like it's got one foot in like Attitude Era and one foot in like whatever we're in now. Yeah. I I love both these guys. Uh, I thought they were doing phenomenal work at the time. Triple H was just starting his sort of King of Kings thing. John Cena was on top of the world a year on from winning the world title. Uh, I oh, By the way, I, I've said this a million times on these shows as well. I've always loved John Cena. I don't agree. Well, no, I don't not agree. I'm not. I'm just not one of those people that boos him out the building. Um, yeah. I used to wear my John Cena t-shirt to ICW every single time we would go because it makes fans go mental. Um, <laughs> We got some quick promos from what looked like a sort of access slash contract signing thing where they were trying to paint Cena as the underdog, which I guess kind of makes sense if you don't know about the next 10 years of wrestling. (laughs) He probably would be the underdog in a match against Triple H. Um, We get the first sort of one of the earliest examples of like flashy entrances. Triple H with his throne entrance, the barbarian outfit. John Cena and the Chicago uh, like gangsters entrance. Uh, CM CM Punk finally gets his WrestleMania main event. Um, <laughs> I, I love the Cena spinner belt. Although, do you think that the diamonds at the top of the W are too heavy because it always seems to end up upside down, which is yeah. such a shame. Um, and 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 right, I have to say it. This is what this was the worst thing about this card is that the 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 fans just booed everything they booed triple h for being a heel and they booed cena for being cena so i ended up kind of checking out of this like i was i wasn't as emotionally invested as i wanted to be i remember being at the time when i watched it so emotionally invested in this match but yeah i ended up sort of picking up towards the end they had some good back and forth i uh miss the three count arm drop thing which they yes. don't do anymore now it's yes. just one and ring the bell um and uh, yeah, I liked how long the hold was in before we got the tap. Overall, it was a good main event, but the crowd pissed me off. Yeah, Gary, good main event. What was there to see in the main event? The content, your final run through of this of this pay per view, sir. Yeah, this was a match also that uh, I didn't remember as fondly when I look back at it. I actually enjoyed the match uh, a lot more, and I think that this match did a lot in the build up to this match did a lot of damage to John Cena going forward there was some stink putting John Cena that he just couldn't get off with Triple H and his cool heel uh, part of it even though he put him over really strongly with that finish at the end I just think it, uh, Cena suffered from that from the way going forward some good false finishes throughout the match particularly the sledgehammer shot there 
um, the submission finish, uh, the STFU, which I don't think Cena should have ever been using. I don't think he was particularly good at doing it. Yeah, um, very yeah. shit at doing it, Gary, I'd go as far as it. Yes, like. <laughs> and also a nice referee spot in it where we sort of got the double low blow as mm. well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very, that, very pleased with that. The, the, you know, the match was, the match was good. I'd say it was good. Like I wouldn't say it was great. I wouldn't say it was yeah. one of the best WrestleMania main events of all time. I'd say it was very solid. But Jack, what do you remember about this era of John Cena? Being a, a small child at the time, were you a fan of Cena, or did you not understand why people were booing him? What was your What was your thoughts there? I was a bit of everything in that. I loved it. I didn't get why folk, folk hated him. I was I was I was firmly firmly behind it. I would probably see even as a young as a young wee man watching this, I was very bored watching the start and the, the, the crowd didn't help either, but I would say the last five, ten minutes, I was completely suckered in and seeing and seeing someone kick out the, 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 the FU, now the, now the AA, I was like, I was completely gobsmacked seeing, yeah. see, seeing that at the time, that was something that was so rare. And then also I think even just to see Triple H tap out, to the STFU, it was something also just so rare, which is, I was, it wasn't a finish I was expecting, but it was not yeah. one that I was mad at. Yeah, no, exactly. And not a finish you expect, not one of your mad at. I think that some recontextualization is required, ladies and gentlemen, because Billy Strachan, a lot of criticism gets lobbied at Triple H for getting out the golden shovel, not putting people over. Benoit at 20. Batista at 21, Cena at 22. When it came to WrestleMania and when it came to this portion of this career, you have to say that Triple H <laughs> was more than willing to do the business, to do the job for the business, as it were. What do you think? Um, I would say so. I, I, I mean, I, I got the hate for, well, I understood put folks... Um, viewpoint on like the reign of terror kind of time for Triple H and all that kind of stuff because it seemed like nobody was was breaking through kind of thing and then it made it all worthwhile when Batista did you know it, it's like he, he made Batista and on that night and that whole story this isn't the rest of me we're talking about so um, but when it comes to the John Cena one he, yeah he he did he did do the job. He did lose when the time ultimately required it to, to happen. Um, I just, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with, I mean, match itself, I'm kind of agreeing with, with, with you guys. I kind of checked out during it and mm-hmm. it was just, I think because the whole build-up was pretty much Triple H did not do a good job with the build-up. He pretty much called Cena a rubbish wrestler, so why am I going to be interested in watching it? Yeah. Why am I, I going to be... And now, now it makes Triple H look worse because he lost to a bad wrestler. So now he looks like an idiot because he lost to someone he mm. believes is to be a, a crap wrestler. So yeah. then he's he's crap. Um, well, I, one positive, I will say, out of all this, though, that as we mentioned, I know that, that like you guys like the minutiae the little bits and pieces mm. I liked during the STFU and the like just before the finish STFU that Cena grabbed Triple H's uh, right arm underneath and so it kind of caught a little bit of torque and I mean he couldn't, couldn't drag himself over to the ropes either mm. I just I loved that a little bit but no I'm right I'm the same with you guys I kind of just checked out with this one and yeah. yeah I'll be I don't think Triple H's style suits Wrestlemania main events it's too long a show 
for Triple H to come out and do his wrestling. You know what I mean? Slow start, methodical pace. I don't think a wrestler like Triple H or Randy Orton necessarily suits that at the end of a very long show. Some food for thought to leave you guys with here. To ponder over, leave your thoughts in the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community page. Do not advertise your Twitch or... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody your, cares about your Twitch. Or your I wrestling hate shows. I hate, or your, I hate or you stream from it. I, <laughs> or your wrestling shows in Govan, because no one wants to see competitors from Drumline. Uh, but anyway, we will give our ratings on the show. So, Billy, what would you rate this show out of five? Oh, a ten. <laughs> no, <there is. laughs> um, thank no. you for that <laughs> yeah absolutely a 10 it's, it's it's your last time this whole show is a 10 rest big times a 10 it's all 10s 10 big time love it chris money out of five i think i'm actually gonna go four i think this wrestlemania sits really high for me what was the wrestlemania i know this is completely different what was the wrestlemania where charlotte fought asuka 34 so yeah, i yeah. When I finished 34, because I was a bit disappointed in the main event, I remember thinking at the time, I think this is the best WrestleMania I've watched since 22. This is a top three mania all time for me. We 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 had came on from the attitude era of like flashy matches, but poor wrestling. Whereas now we're getting slightly less flashier matches, but the wrestling is so much better. And look up and down this card, look how many great gimmicks there were. Like, just actual fully-fledged gimmicks, wrestlers who cared about things and had personalities. You had the, the raving racist in John Bradshaw Layfield. You had the, the ultimate opportunist in Edge. You had the hardcore icon, Maniac, and Mick Foley. You had stuff like the Boogeyman, Mickey James, Undertaker. All the way up and down this card, there was just fantastic gimmicks going on. They wouldn't be able to maintain this later. And look at us now. We have two gimmicks. We have heels who have, you know, really egocentric characters. And then we've got faces who are bad heels. Like, that's it. There's no characters anymore. And this card just had so many perfect ones on it. So, yeah, I rate, I rate this really highly. I really enjoyed watching it back. It was an absolute delight. I bet you 21 and 23 aren't as good as this. Jack Graham, what do you say? Um... I guess I'm maybe going to be a bit more of a cynic, even though it's got one of my, my favourite matches on it. I'm going to say a three. Three? Oh, okay. I think as 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 good as this this as some of the some of the stuff is on it as Edge McFoley is and whatnot. The, the, there's a really good WrestleMania theme as as well. There is f- for a WrestleMania. I think there is far too much dross in this. I don't think there's enough. Uh, enough to sustain a good to some I need Everton to hit the mark for me a good mania and this mania as much as it did have really good points there wasn't enough to push it to the to the upper ends of the scale for me I think it's just a kind of a good run of the mill it's not great it's not bad it's, it's a show yes it's our Charlie Brown strikes again Gary <laughs> Kernahan what do you think I'm going to go for a four a four out of five as well I thought there were uh, many uh, high points of it. I think the main event lets it down, and I do take Jack's point that there's a bit of dross here. But there's a lot. Of, there is when you look back over the history of WrestleMania, it's hard to find a card that's not got some mm. some dross, some point. filler in there. 
there. So I think. The Did any cards have play. actual draws on them? Dross was a wrestler, wasn't he? Was yeah, Dross ever on the show? One of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he did. This was maybe 19, was it? That's, that's the question, ladies and gentlemen, put oh. in the chat. Where did, what WrestleMania featured actual Dross <laughs> competing in it? <laughs> it looks like he was on Capital Carnage in the UK, but I'm not sure he fought at Mania. Ah, oh, well. LOD 2000 came back at the Battle Royal with Sunny, so maybe he was phased out by that time, maybe. Damn, damn. But Gary, what's your overall rating? Four out of five. Four out of five. I'll go also four out of five, which means with Billy's ten... I would like to say, sorry, I'd like to say four. I would go four as well. Um, I got a bit too excited by the big time. Billy, Billy, you've said ten, three of us have said four, and Jack said three. That gives us 25, average out between the five of us. It means this is a five out of five show, which makes me very happy uh, to end. (laughs) Steiner math for you all, but it's time to say goodbye. Billy, thank you very much for, for being on tonight. It's been a pleasure. I'm sorry to all the Ray Mysterio fans out there. Thank you. Yeah, Billy hates Ray. Hashtag it, Billy hates Ray. Chris, pleasure as always, my man. Two things. One, David, thank you so much for having us on your retirement party. Can we get a clap for Mr. David Campbell, ladies and gentlemen? Stop, stop, stop. Uh, we'll see you thing. in about two months when the money runs out. <laughs> Stevie said he'll give me the credit card for good this time, so it looks like a final goodbye. But anyway, we'll see. <laughs> what was your second thing? Uh, I looked it up. Uh, Ravi Studios from uh, California, so English is probably his first language. Well, he's bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> the question on the edge of everyone's lips, Jack Graham. <laughs> Always, always a pleasure, my man. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you, thank you. We've, we've got we've got two used to doing this over the past year of of ESSR and Sunny Draft Live, and I, I will say it's been my pleasure to do these do these shows with you. And I, I look forward to the day after WrestleMania, and I can unfriend you on Facebook. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> it has been a pleasure for you, and I will say you're welcome, hey, Gary. <laughs> Gary, this is not goodbye. Merely farewell until the next time you call me down to your house you know we'll see see you i'll see you soon my man i'll see you oh. soon well i look forward to a playboy pillow fight david and <sighs> i look forward to your return to the podcast probably around about SummerSlam time <laughs> am i that predictable no. <laughs> he's a way he's a way to get his hip done like undertaker like yeah i've just lost my smile um but it's um... <laughs> Uh, in all seriousness this is um, the final feature show I'll be on so I wouldn't leave you with anything you know too profound all I will say to you is don't go chasing waterfalls enjoy your ESSR and I'll see you later on goodbye I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us hosting one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts, Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our Fantasy Draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms. Sports Social Podcast Network.